Well, hello everyone. I am Mark Tucker. And I am Alan Furstenberg and welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs, everybody. So Alan, um, you've been busy doing some stuff. I've uh, got some pull requests on, <laughs> on speech markdown. Uh, so stuff that you're doing with multivocal. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But before we jump in, I, I'm just trying to understand um, a little bit more about what the scope of multivocal is. So back in my ASP.NET days, um, there was a pattern called model view controller. And uh, in order to get to the controller, there was some sort of a router. So like whatever, you know, hash slash slash uh, URL that you put on a website uh, would ultimately lead to a controller, which would then uh, you'd use some sort of a pattern like a repository pattern or something to go get data um, or you know, execute some command, you know, do whatever your CRUD stuff is on the database side of things. You'd get some data back and then ultimately you would return that in a view. So my question, I did look a little bit at, at multivocal. I think I know what the answer is, but does multivocal, I guess, encompass the whole model view controller part or is it just the view part? Well, I think of it this way. You can't spell multivocal without M, V, and C. Ah, very nice. Ah, there, there, there's a lot of pun, and I think you're the first person to actually raise that that uh, that point with me. Um, I would certainly say that multivocal is inspired by the model view controller pattern. Whether or not I followed that religiously, or whether or not it it is quite evolving that way, I don't know. Um, but it was certainly inspired by the fact that you are going to have a um, a view, and that represents either, the, usually that represents the either the intent name or something that I refer to as the action name, which is different than the action, uh, it, which is different than a Google action, um, or an outtent name. And all of the data that is represented is in what I call an environment, which is the model. Okay. Um, and then it, it basically does act in some ways as the controller. Uh, I tend to think of it in a lot of ways more as a, a templating and in kind of, uh, yeah, at its heart, really, it's a templating engine. So that for each of the, um, each of the actions that comes in, there is a handler, and that's your logic. But there's also this notion that you don't need a handler. If you don't have a lot of logic that you need to apply at any given time, or if you've got logic that applies to multiple of them, all that these handlers and builders are doing is applying the logic and storing a value in the model, in the environment, mm -hmm. and then handing it off to a template engine that says, okay, based on all of these factors, here's the response that we're going to give. And then based on all of these other factors, here's how we format that response for that particular platform. Now, a response could be uh, plain text, it could be SSML, or it could be uh, like a, a command to show a specific uh, page right. in or, Interactive Canvas, right? Or a combination of those. Okay. So it's, you know, or card layouts that need to be sent back or information on cards, or again, it's it's pretty, or even it might be, redirecting to another scene 
using Actions Builder or any one of a number of other things. But yeah, basically the, the, the kind of heart of it is that we're just sending back a response. And one of the big changes that I did in this round of multivocal is um, introduce speech markdown. So now speech markdown, well, when I talked with you earlier this year in Chattanooga, I was, I was sold on the fact that speech markdown was the best way to make it easy for people to set up responses. And I, I firmly believe that it, it is. Um, and after trying it out with uh, the, you know, with um, Crosstalk, which was my, my test platform for a lot of this, I kind of realized that it really just does make it simpler that uh, previously you could set a, a text field that it was going to assume that this was going to be used for both uh, text and SSML. Right. And that was fine. And it did a couple of little things to, to try to clean it up where it made sense, but it didn't really do a very good job. Now I can basically say, look, you're just writing speech markdown. It's easy for me to turn it into SSML or text. And if you want something different for either of those, you could set those in, in addition. So if I wanted it to say one thing audibly and display something different, I could set both the markdown and the text fields. And it would just, it would do the right thing. It doesn't try to overwrite the text if you've already specified it. Right. But um, if you don't specify the text, then it, does it uh, you just use the, the, like the two plain text formatter to, to yep. get back the text? Exactly. All right, and cool. Because if you're just writing plain text on input, that's gonna be what's coming in an output. So it, it kind of it makes it, it, it made the most sense to me to just say, this is the easiest way that we have to prepare what our responses need to be. And that, that kind of was a big driver for all of, of what went into uh, multivocal, was just being able to say, okay, you know, look at what we've done in the past 15 years when it comes to developing web apps and what we've done in the past 10 years when it comes to developing mobile apps. We do these things based on templates and patterns yep. and you know a little bit of a separation of the logic and the presentation layer. Multivocal tries to bring that to voice as well. Very and, good. So, um, so like talking on the front end again. So th there's there's some sort of a router that's going to direct you towards your your handler and in, in, in this case and and really um, that is handled by the the Google services you know the the Google Assistant and the Alexa services and and um, because in the end what's happening is your what you're saying is getting turned into um, you know from into text and then it's you know running it through the automatic speech recognition portion of it and it's figuring out what intent to call so that's mm -hmm. really the routing logic mm -hmm. and so um the part that the handoff from either like actions builder or either dialogue flow or or uh, even alexa is there is some intent that's going to get called some handler in your code that's going to get called on a webhook well and that's i i, I, I want to be careful with terminology at this point. All right. The way I look at intents is intents are what the user has said or what they've done. Okay. So, so that is a logical thing that comes out of the 
NLP system in Actions Builder or the NLP system in the Alexa Skills Kit. Right. That gets handed to Multivocal, and what Multivocal does with it is something different. Okay. So it can trigger a handler, and that's logic code. It can be one factor that is considered when we're looking for a response. So yes, the intent is, um, it's an influence, but it's not the only thing that determines what response is set back. And I think that's important. Yeah, because, there's not a one-to-one -one mapping between right. the intent that, that you're getting passed from the NLP to the action that happens inside of your um, multivocal framework. Right, and I think that's important because in some cases we wanna send back different responses based on other things like the, state, the overall state of the conversation or in Action Builder, what node are we in? Or you know, if the user is asking for help, what kind of context sensitive help do we have available for them? Or if they're on a smart speaker versus smart display, we might send back two very different conversations. Right. Because yep. in one case, we can rely on a visual, and in the other case, we can't. You could, you could add an additional sound effects or description or something on the audio side that would be um, you know, unnecessary in a, on right. a multi- And, and multi one of the things that uh, this round of multivocal has added to it is making that a little easier to do so that in cases where you've got common conversation components. So, you know, for, um, for crosstalk, I would, you know, every time you answer a question, I would, you know, it, it says something like, okay, I filled in um, T-H-I-S. Okay. Let's go on to the next question. Now, it, it says more or less the same thing each of those times, but there's additional things that I need to be done if I'm on a smart speaker versus smart display. On a smart display, I need to send back additional information that gets displayed. On a smart speaker, I need to send back additional audio that gets played while it goes to the next question. And how, it ha how, how Crosstalk handles those two kind of made me realize multivocal needed more support for that. So that's one of the things that has gone into this, that the conversation component part can now be, and it doesn't have to be, it's totally up to, to you as the conversation designer and the developer can be a standalone component of that reply and all of these extra parts can get mixed into it. And I think that, yeah. that lets us do some really powerful things. Very cool. So um, trying to figure out, because I, I, I know that working uh, with Jovo and uh, I figured out a lot of different things um, you know, over the years with it, but one of the parts that are still the pain points on this because really my this is uh snatchwords my first really big cross platform where i'm you know doing a, a number of screens and things and i you know i haven't i still definitely need to do the interactive canvas part on google and the screens are separate in in bixby in essence i i my code works with data and then sends that data yep. back to bixby and then i have to do all the view stuff on on the bixby side um, so there's, that's probably the part of my code that is the messiest is the, okay, if I'm, I, I try to abstract things and say, okay, at this point in time, this is my response and this is the view that I'm going to show. And then I say, okay, if it's Alexa, do this, if it's Google assistant, do this, 
but it's still it's still not there now is is multivocal um i guess uh, available to me for for cross-platform yet um or is it is it google only at this point the answer is decidedly not exactly um, okay certainly the framework for it is meant to be cross-platform so as i built it and then in fact it is cross-platform in certain ways um, so it handles dialogue flow and actions builder. It also handles Google Assistant and another one of Google's chat platforms because they have so many. Um, <laughs> all of which are different, but that started giving me a feel for what was needed to do real cross-platform work. Right. There is the, the library that I based Multivocal on was written to support Alexa. I just never ported the Alexa portion over. Okay. So it's there. It's, it's ready for me to, to do. I just never got the chance to do it. And similarly, one of the things that I I've been thinking about in developing it for Bixby is since Bixby needs the view and doesn't need the response part, what, how, what what needs to be done? What are the, the changes that need to be done to just send back the view? And how do we control what elements of a view need to get sent back for each reply mm -hmm. in ways that make the most sense? Um, so I think logically the ideas are there and I think the ideas will fit in. I just haven't had the time to, <laughs> to put it together. Um, but certainly, you know, it, and I have to admit up front, it doesn't do all of the same stuff that Jovo does. Right. Jovo, for example, has very much focused on the uh, designing the intents and designing the user input part and making those available in all of the other platforms. Multivocal, I don't, I don't even think about that side of it. I'm purely focused on the, uh, the delivery level part of it. So yeah. when, when stuff comes in, I can recognize, okay, did it come in under Dialogflow's platform? So I need to reply to it that way. Did it come in under Actions on Google? Did it come in using uh, Google Chat? Uh, and, and break those parts up and extract the, the bits of information out into the environment in a platform neutral way. But that's the extent of, of what I do on the input side. Yeah, I mostly so focus on the output side and multifocal. I'm wondering how um, at least some of your concepts could, or like maybe the library could be in multiple parts where you, if, if you wanted, like, like if I wanted to handle, do all the handler stuff the way that I'm used to doing it in Jovo, but then hand off the, okay, I'm here. I'm at the point where I want to re return a response. Here's all the data that I need that might affect which response comes back, pass that off to something and then come back and say, here's what you get and we, the response. So. Yeah, you and I talked about this in the past when we've talked about some of our work. And um, I certainly, in talking to the, the Jovo folks and talking to Jan, I feel like they're heading Jovo down a path that will get, to, will get us to a point where that might make sense to, to do, to try to mm -hmm. do. Or it might head them down a path where they're doing the same sort of thing in their own way. And yeah. it might be a more Jovo way of doing things. Yeah. I don't know. You know, and honestly, right now, I feel like we're in, we're early enough that 
I want us to explore all the different ways of doing things. Because yep. I, I don't think any of us have an answer as to the best way to do it. I think, you know, I think this template focus is vitally important. And I think Bixby thinks that template approach is vitally important. And I think we're even seeing hints that Alexa thinks that a template approach is important. Yeah. But which, you know, and maybe Jovo is heading in that direction as well, but which template makes the most sense and what are the, what are the, the elements of it that are important? I don't know. And I, yeah. I want us to, I, I don't want us to merge and standardize on something too quickly. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think there's definitely, uh, I like looking at what other people have done and understanding, you know, the approach that they took and say, you know, I like this, you know, 30% or this 70% of, of what they've done, but I want to do some additional things. And one of the things that I, I did like at least about, um, you know, I guess all my years of experience doing web stuff on Microsoft stack is that there were different points where you could say, Oh, I want to use this syntax or this engine to generate my views or I want to use this one. And so I, 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 it's got to happen at some point in time that there is some, that these frameworks have pluggable uh, implementations where you could say, I want to swap out this view, um, you know, engine. Uh, and the view in this case could be just the, you know, SSML, the, the, the speech part of it, or it could be speech and uh, display. Mm -hmm. um, so one, but, one, no, one of the things that I think uh, held me up for a while in implementing speech markdown into it was saying, well, what if something else comes along? How closely do I really want to tie speech you know, markdown to? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I finally said, you know what? Speech markdown is the right thing at the right time in the right, you know, the right place, the right time. It's the right technology. And if I need to split it out later, I will do so. But right now I want to, I want to encourage its use because I'd rather encourage it over nothing which is what I think a lot of people were thinking still. Yeah, I think there is a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, people that just haven't hit that type of thing. And you know, you're not using it for the you know, cross-platform part of it, but that is something that you could use later. But it is um, a simpler syntax and it is a way to, you know, I, I, I like just being able to throw in a couple of braces and one S and be done with my break and not have to type in the whole duh, 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 duh. What, well, one of the things that was fun for me in, uh, in implementing it was I ran into a couple of issues, as right. you heard, um, one of which was, you know, I, I planned to, one of, the, one of the things I discovered right after integration and testing out uh, Crosstalk was that it suddenly started spewing SSML, it started, you know, saying bracket, you know, mark, whatever, and so forth and so on. So it was speaking the SSML. And I realized that's because uh, I was using a tag that wasn't yet supported. Right. So I went to implement it. And when I went to implement it, the tag that I was going to base it on wasn't working. So first I got the, the break tag working. And then once I had that in place, I was able to get the mark tag to, to work. I don't know, do we call them tags in speech markdown? What do we call them? I, I think I still call them tags, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Simple language that the, the yeah. mark. So, so, so I got break working first, uh, and 
you know, it was a great credit that most of the documentation that you had in place in the code was pretty straightforward and easy to use. It was not difficult for me to figure out. Uh, more difficult was me to figure out the parser itself. Which... Yeah, the parser is a little challenging. The, um, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in you know, lexers and parsers and you know, that side of things. And um, I know that there's some other projects out there that uh, like there would be a, that you could write a piece of code that would say, I want to convert this, um, this you know, text <laughs> into, into actually, because what really the, I guess part of the power of, of speech markdown is that there is this intermediate format, which is really this abstract syntax tree that's based on this minor parser that I'm using. It's, it's not like a formal um, intermediate format, but things in the end get into this format and then we can say, oh, I want to convert from that into the flavor of SSML for you know, Google or Alexa or Bixby or, and so, and that gives me, the, and, or just plain text, which gives me the, the ability to say, oh, this is only implements these certain tags. And so um, I'm just going to ignore these other tags and, and return nothing uh, coming back in those cases. Um, so um, there, there is more that could be done in the library just to formally define what speech markdown is from a, you know, a, I guess a data perspective and then do work to convert things from something else into that and then from that back out into something else. Um, yeah, ultimately, I, I, there's, you know, there's another project, I, I don't remember what the name of it is right now, that, that has a lot of that type of stuff in it and would love to be able to do that. But uh, you know, at some point, somebody's gonna come around that's going to be like some expert in, you know, in parsers and uh, all of my dreams will come true. <laughs> well, or I'll just trudge through like I've been doing with. Like, yeah, I, I think one of the, going through the code, one of the things that really made me feel good about, you know, because it, it has been decades since I last did parser work as well. Yeah. And that was not a fun time when I did. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that was nice and refreshing to see is that you also have, have kind of started to set it up for where do we go next? What are the things that speech markdown needs to do? Again, not so much to help with the cross-platform elements of it, but just to help with the, if I'm, if I want to write stuff out and I want to write out simpler and, yeah. you know, I just want to say, I need this block to be spoken uh, faster and quieter. How do I do that? Yep. How do, how do I, symbolically represent that and how do I do it in an, the easiest possible way and I think that's powerful because that's when we can start getting people who are not programmers and who are you know still getting their feet wet with conversation design and and but have an ear for what they want it to sound like that yeah. we can pull people who are great script writers into doing the work and focusing on what they want it to do and focusing on how do I want it to sound? Not yeah, exactly. How do I format it so that it sounds how I want it to sound? Yeah, like a, like um, Alexa's whisper tag. I I like the fact that there's a whisper tag. I, I, I don't use it very much, but there you know are different situations where that adds a certain dramatic effect. Um, but Google doesn't support it, and so what I do is I I make the rate of the speech go slower and um, the volume less. Um, so it's not. It's not a great solution, it's, but it's better than 
nothing at all, at least tries to do something mm-hmm. in that case. And as, as um, you know, either SSML ex- expands or you know, companies add their own custom tags, then we can map to whatever. But in the end, use like this concept of a whisper that I want this text to be whispered, then it might be implemented differently on each platform, but um, at least now you can, you know, convert from one to the other and well, and, I, and you just have to worry about one one tag as opposed to the, all the different tags. And, and I, I think of that as even one step more, that it's not even so much that the, the script writer working with the audio engineer now needs to think about one tag versus multiple tags. It's that the script writer can just, you know, at some point say, here's this squiggly, between this squiggly mark and this squiggly mark, I want it to sound this way and now the audio engineer says well okay on alexa we can do it this way and on google we can do it this way or you know and on this other platform we've got no way of doing it so tough (laughs) but it now becomes a conversation it now becomes a conversation between the script writer the audio engineer and not the programmer yeah it's no longer you know taught over to us to figure out how do we change the code to do that. It puts the people who are best able to, to, to do it, to, to, I don't know, what's the, what's the parallel of visualize? Um, Audioize? I, we need a new word here. Yeah. Imagine. The person who can imagine what it should sound like. Yeah. Direct, empowering them as much as possible. And I think that's what, both of our, I was thinking about this the, uh, over the weekend, was that's really what our two libraries are doing, is empowering people as much as we can, and then working to empower them even more as we yeah. develop the projects. Exactly. So um, I, I do appreciate the pull requests on Speech Markdown. Um, and, and thank you for doing unit tests, too. That was something that I thought... Um, from the very beginning really needed to happen on this project is is unit tests so that you could run through and make sure that nothing else broke and yep no um, i'm i'm very jealous of your unit test by the way we will talk about testing another time i think because i think we've got some good conversations to go about a unit about testing and conversations but that'll be another day i think because we can okay. cover that extensively um no but what actually i was really thrilled to see them there because that was what helped me understand, okay, what's the best way of testing it? And certainly, you know, I was mucking around with the parser, which has all the possibility of breaking things. Yes, it does. So, you know, not just after, after I put mine in and after I made sure that mine worked, it was reassuring to go back and do, run through the entire suite of unit tests and make sure that everything else worked okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I more than once have have added something then broken something else <laughs> on, on the parser part of things. And so it's just, you know, unit tests give you that confidence that yep. you can play around and, and but then you you know that these, you know, tests have passed. And I've tried um, in the past when something, somebody's reported a bug to um, write a nope. test that proves that that bug is is there and then fix it and now that's part of the unit test so that's what something i'm i'm trying to do as well as as i go on along with the project no i'm it's the best it's what i do on my work stuff all the time it's it's what i try to do for my um 
for my private projects as well, I tend not to test my own stuff using unit tests, but when I get bug reports, the first thing I do is duplicate it with a test. Yeah. And this way I know when I fixed it. And this way I know if it ever crops up again. Right. That's good. So that gave me a good excuse to get back into speech markdown. It had been a while since I'd been in the, that uh, project and went ahead and there had been some new uh, additions to SSML on the Bixby side of things that I just hadn't. So, you know, I took advantage of the stuff that you had done with the break tag and, uh, and you know, just added the, uh, the short form of the break and, and then some different things with say as and, and some prosody stuff that they, they had added since, you know, the last time I was in there, um, you know, cause I had added Bixby support a while ago uh, on a project and, and, and things just, just worked, which I like very much. That's always when, happy when things when just that, When that happens, yeah. And so then, you know, then I noticed that I, I, was, I was getting pauses now in my, because uh, my, part of my work that I've been doing with Snatchword over the weekend was uh, trying to get a Bixby version out. So oh, things are, are, are really close. You might even see, um, well, you probably won't, unless you're farther down on the leaderboard and next to <laughs> my my Bixby test user, there is one person on the leaderboard way down that is my Bixby user uh, as I'm beta testing things. So things are working at least to that point. There's, I think I've got three different bug reports into Samsung on uh, trying to help me figure out some things. You know, one's a cosmetic thing that I'm like, well, it would be better if you did this because right now I'm hard coding security stuff inside of my code, mm -hmm. which I don't want to do. Um, but then you know, I've got some, uh, the big problem is for some reason, my leaderboard's not coming back there. It was working on Bixby before. Um, and then something happened. I don't know if it was just the most recent update that I did with the Bixby studio or, or what, but weird. Yeah. So, and, and it locks up, it, it locks up the, the studio. Um, and, yeah. So I'm just like, I have, don't know what's going on. I even tried turning that part off where I'm not returning anything back from the, the server as far as the data that makes it the leaderboard and it's still doing that. So strange. Everything else is working just fine. Well, that's good. So before <laughs> I forget, where can people find Speech Markdown? Okay. So there is a, a project on GitHub. Um, there's a whole organization called Speech Markdown. So if you just do GitHub and search for Speech Markdown, you'll find the speechmarkdown.js project, which is the one that you were working in. That's the node um, JS uh, project that, that I use. There's a, um, a Jovo plugin for Speech Markdown that's been updated now with a later version, um, with the most recent version of Speech Markdown. And so now that's in my uh, Snatch Word code too now, um, but that's there. Um, and, there, and there's a number of different projects that are um, that are out there on that project. So you can do that, or the easiest thing might be to do is just to go to speechmarkdown.org. Um, there's a whole website about Speech Markdown. Uh, um, the documentation's not 100% up to speed. Um, it's, so I haven't updated that part of the website. Documentation is always rough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but there are links to the GitHub projects from there, and there is a tab called Try where you can type Ooh. in speech markdown and then you can see what it looks like in, in uh, Alexa, Google and Bixby and plain text. And, um, and I tested your do break tag stuff and mark tagged and that's working in there now. So that's, that's up and going. So that's, that, that was, that was, yeah, that was a lot of my coding over the, the kind of the break that I had. Um, you know, I, I, 
didn't hundred percent spend my time in front of the computer. I did spend Good. time with family and, and on projects and watching movies. And I, I did uh, get Disney plus and watch the, the whole Mandalorian series. And wow, I'm impressed with, that. I strongly recommend Mandalorian was fun. I strongly recommend soul. If you haven't watched it yet, I watched that as well. And uh, really watched that with the family. And we really enjoyed that. That was such a such a gem of a movie. Really it was. Nice. It was. I, I love the story. I love visually. It is an amazing Pixar story. Pixar always surprises me. Yep. They far exceeded the, what <laughs> I was expecting on that. Yeah. One. So really like that. I I learned about the the some of the technology behind the Mandalorian with the with the volume, which is basically a holodeck. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's a holodeck. <laughs> it's a huge screen that. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's and it's so crazy. So, you know, no more blue screen, uh, green screen. They just actually project stuff up on into this room. Yep. And some of the stuff is, you know, real live props that then merge into their counterpart. And it's has the Unreal um, gaming engine behind the scenes and you can change things in real time. And, and then you film against the screens. And so, you know, actors can you know, interact with what's, or, or really see what's what's on the screens and yeah. the cameras can get the angles that they need and you can totally swap out where you're at on this. I don't know, just amazing. It's amazing technology, yeah. Yeah, so th that's some of the other things they did <laughs> over my no, break. But. No, I, so, so I've been working a lot on Multivocal and people can right. find it at multivocal.info. Um, but also spending a lot of time with family and yeah, that's when, when I saw soul as well. Um, and just generally relaxing. It was just a, a, a nice relaxing, uh, break. And now I'm yes. ready to dive into, to 2021 and, and do stuff. Yes. Uh, it's, and not just coding, just do stuff. Yeah. There is <laughs> looking to, 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 you know, get out more. <laughs> than, than I was in 2020, but um, just you know, everybody can keep being safe out there. Um, there's lots of you know good things to look forward to. I know that I still have up days and down days um, too. So it's just the way that that things go. And if you want to chat to us about uh, code or about what's happening with you, or just need some friendly uh, chatting, then just reach out on social media um, at Mark Tucker for me at a first word for me, please reach out. Tell us what uh, what you like about the show, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear more of coming forward. Or again, just, you know, reach out if you just need to chat. Yep, and or uh, catch us on Voice Lunch, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. Good places to find us. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, take care everyone and uh, happy coding and we'll chat soon. Take care everyone, see you then. We are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. <laughs>